When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A fabulous free kick from Leighton Baines. Dawson, oh, what a finish from Ben Dawson. It's 2 0. It's scored by Tim Cahill in injury time for Everton. Matheson, the 16 year old, to Wilbraham, the 40 year old. Stunning from Hamis Rodriguez. And here, into Henderson. And Ian Henderson, right on the Oh, and Matt's gone straight off the bat. What happened oh, there? No. Maybe his laptop died or something. Um, straight off the bat, it disappeared. That's never happened before. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Literally. What? what? Edit this bit out. Um, just see where he is. He's actually dipped out entirely. That's hilarious. I think it's obviously just cut out. What? Oh, he's typing. Hang on. Oh iPad app completely crashed. Give me a minute. So this, right, this is why I'm not on the iPad app. Unreliable. Right. Unreliable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, it wasn't because I was late and lazy. It was because it's unreliable. Honest. No, oh, Matt's back. Welcome, everybody, to episode six of the Men in Blue podcast. My name is Greg. I'm here with Jimmy and Matt, as ever. How you doing, lads? You okay? Evening. Not so bad. I'm good by yourself, yeah, I'm a lot happier now that everything's opening up. Out of lockdown, the sun is shining, the beer gardens are open, the alcoholics are out at eight o'clock in the morning. The world's going back to its natural state. Bobby haircut seems that way. Uh, we also have Adam, Adam Malone, one of my good friends, uh, as a guest on this episode. How are you doing, Adam? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast uh, well since it started, basically. So, and it, I, it's usually like a Saturday morning routine for me. That's when I usually <sighs> listen to it. So. We found a listener. We have an listener. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. No, it's good to get Absolutely. opinions of different football fans. No, definitely. Obviously, we have Femi on who's a Liverpool fan. We've had Brian on who likes a few teams, but I think he mm. sides with Man City, doesn't he? Because mm. then he were talking about Burnley and Leicester, and, was, and when I read when I listening to it, I was thinking. Who does he support? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> who just thought it was just a list of the Premier League table? It was like all of them. <laughs> Bless him. For a change, I think we're actually going to start by talking about Rochdale for a change, because usually we start off with Everton. Rochdale played last night. We had a very rare win, which is our second home win of the entire season, which is a bit of a... What? Is that it? Yeah. It's a no, second no, win. No, second, second, second home win. I think we need to have a minute's applause. <laughs> yeah. Never mind, Prince Philip. If we would have lost the game, we would have equaled the second worst home record in Football League history. Wow. Ooh. 
Have you got that stat to hand? I don't know who that is, oh. but if you want to, somebody can find that at some I'm point. I'm willing to bet it's probably someone like Sunderland. I feel like they've got a. Do you reckon? Well, in, in the football league, though. Uh, well, fair, they right. didn't win a game for a probably year to get still, home. Probably still Sunderland. No, I mean, they didn't. There was Premier League record, wasn't it? I don't know, but yeah, we'll have to find out who that record was. That was a fact that was on the Rochdale AFC.com podcast uh, that Dean mentioned. I have to, I have to mention Dean for that one because he found that stat. Cheeky plug. Good game. It was the last chance saloon to me. I thought we have to win. Mm. We have to win, or we are we not mathematically relegated, but we might near as damn it gone. That would have been a larger gap. But what is the gap now? It's uh, only it's only a to... point now between Rochdale and Bottom and Swindon in twenty third. But obviously, if Swindon had won last night. They'd have gone up to 40 points. You'd have been stuck on, what, 33? Bristol Rovers 38, so you'd have been five points adrift of the next highest team, Bristol Rovers. So it wouldn't have looked good. Even, you know, six games to go, you know, you'd have been eight points adrift of uh, Wigan in 20th because they won against Sunderland. So it would have been tough even with 18 points left to play for. That would have been... That would have been curtains, it, I think. It was actually a very good performance for a change, which we've not, I've not seen many of them this season. I've seen no. a, you know, a clust, clusters of them, I've seen a few, played very well. It was almost as if they have read what the fans are talking about on social media mm. and how fed up some of the fans are, because it was almost as if it was an instant reaction to those comments and those opinions from Saturday's game. We played Fleetwood on Saturday mm. and we, we lost 1-0. It was an own goal, unfortunately, which is a kick in the nads. Mm. We were just absolutely awful on Saturday. It's one of the worst. Oh, we were just terrible. There was no urgency. There was no desire. There was no passion. There were nothing. They just didn't look interested. And I don't know what that were mm. at all. They just didn't look interested. And the fans no. were fuming on Saturday and Sunday and Monday on social media. Absolutely. And then up comes <clears throat> Tuesday. Must win. We've got a bad home record. They needed to do it, and they did. First goal was really good. It was uh, Jimmy Keohane, who I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast. I think that's his seventh goal as a left-back, which is unusual. Very good for left-back. Just finds himself in really good areas. But this was a cracker of a goal. It's one of those, so I watched it with me when my dad on the laptop. And like, it's one of those goals where, where, do you know when you're with people watching the football and they go, go on, hit it, son. And then they, they just hit it. And mm. then it goes in. It was that type of goal that my dad said, he's got to hit it now. And he did, and it went in. And those are the best goals when, how you would want to do it. Mm. Do you know, like, I'd hit it now. And he did. Those are good goals because mm. you just think that's how I would have done it if I can play football, yeah. <laughs> Do you know. But second goal in the second half, bit of a scramble, mm. but it was it was one of those goals where we just kept pressing and going for it, and in the end it fell to Grant. He, he could just tap it in really, but that's his. I think that's his first professional goal ever. I think. All right. So that'll do him. That'll do him a world of good, really. Fantastic. I think he's been playing well overall. He didn't play on Saturday, but a few Dale fans are saying, oh, we should have played him on Saturday because we're on the bench. And he just brings a bit a bit of bite about the game, a bit of desire and, you know, what we've been needing, really. And I know he's not playing every week like Jimmy Keohane or whoever. We just need to give him the minutes because... And he, he played... I, I think he played well. There were a few players that played well last night that really needed to get stuck in and they did. I just can't believe it's the only the second win off. All yeah. season at home, like my dad were trying to work it out. I was like, so when did we win last? <laughs> about saying something. Swindon got back into it at the end. They got a goal back with about five minutes to go. Your ass starts twitching, doesn't it? When it's two-one, do you know when they've got mm. the goal back in about and they've got right, they've, they've, and then they add four minutes on. Mm. And it's like, oh, it's going to happen again. Here we it's go. going to happen again. 
you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago, three all, four all, three all, two all, dr- drama, a lot of drama. Mm. This one we saw it through, but Saturday was terrible. Tuesday was really good performance. The only problem might be that is it too late now? What do you think? Is it too late now then, Greg? We've got six games left. The game in hand that we have is against Wimbledon, who are in the bottom with us. It's going to be squeaky bum time. You know, it, it already um, is, to be honest. Yeah. If you win your game in hand, you've got a chance. I know I know. Like you've been saying the performances haven't been... I mean, the performance on the last game before last wasn't great, but this one was, so it might be momentum to just give you a kick up the backside mm-hmm. and maybe get you out of it. Yeah, I mean, your fixtures don't look too bad. You've got... They're all winnable. You've got back-to-back home games against Akronton and Blackpool within the next week. Blackpool are a good yeah. side, though. Um, they yeah. drew 0-0 yeah. at home to Wackerington last night. They're a solid side, though. I'm pretty sure they're up in the playoff places. I could be totally wrong. Of course, Blackpool have got Everton, Loney, Ellis Sims on, on loan up front. Who's a, who's a cracking young player. But yeah, your fixtures, they don't look too bad. You've got, obviously, the Akronton game, John Coleman. You need to beat John Coleman. And then... oh, I don't like John Coleman. <laughs> see, you see John <laughs> Coleman the way we see Sam Allardyce. Exactly. Now, now do you get it yeah. why we don't like him? Yeah, yeah. I'll say to you, John Coleman, you're like, oh, it's like, well, Ugh, for me, he's always been a solid League One, League Two manager, but you're like, oh, John Coleman, I can't stand him. Mm. So basically, so, he's your Allardyce. Yes. Right. I might have to put this into context for the listeners and Adam, yeah. possibly. When Keith Hill left to go to Barnsley, I think we had Steve Eyre, who didn't do very well, and then we had John Coleman. So basically, we got the Accrington Stanley manager in. I just wasn't a fan of anything that we did with him hmm. at all. <laughs> it were all very bullish football. We're getting a lot of red cards. I mean, I know fair enough at the moment we can't even get three points, but it were just it wasn't even it wasn't enjoyable. It was a strange. It wasn't enjoyable. It was like bullish, a bit thuggy type of football, and it was couldn't enjoy it. There were a bit of that going on, and that's that's why I don't like him. And then there were rumours that he fell out with Gary Jones. They had to bust up basically Coleman and Gary Jones, and that's why Gary Jones left. Gary Jones is maybe arguably one of the best players we ever had, and he just left, and it all. He went to Bradford, and then obviously he had a great career at Bradford in the cup finals with Swansea. Was it Swansea? Yeah, they played Swansea yeah. in the league cup final, didn't they, in twenty thirteen? Yeah. So. A lot of people don't particularly like the word Coleman at Rochdale because um, he had a bust up with Gary Jones and said, you're never playing for this club ever again. And I thought, crikey, you're telling him that he can't play for the club anymore. That's like, I can't put it into context for Everton, but that's like... Allardyce? It's Allardyce. Who could he have said, that? right, you're never playing for the club ever again and it kicked off big time? Playing Baines would be the obvious one. Baines, yeah. at that time, like Baines that. is the only. I understand that he's doing very well at the minute. I think they're in the, definitely in the top 10, aren't they? I know, oh, they were at one point. Accrington are um, currently... They're not doing too well. They 11th. lost 5-1 to Wimbledon the other day. Gosh. They are currently 11th. So that's not bad for Accrington, considering where they've come from in the last 15 years or so. But I mean, you take that, don't you, League One? Halfway oh, up. Yeah, absolutely. Not in any real danger, so to speak, statistically or anything like no. that. You know. I mean, mate, that's a decent... I know, you know, if you can't get the playoffs and you can't get automatic, knowing that you're safe, there's nothing wrong with no, that. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. You know, you look at other teams, we, and I'd, I'd love to be in 11, and they're probably, arguably, the same size as us, possibly, like historically, fan base, things like that. You could argue. 
there's no excuses really. We should we we can aspire to be tenth or eleventh or something mm. like that, you know. But they must be doing fairly well to be tenth or eleventh, you know. Yeah, they're not too, they're not doing too badly. I think I'm just looking at your fixtures, and you've got pretty ideal. Now I look at it again a bit more detail. Obviously Blackpool are chasing playoffs, but Accrington mid table, nothing to play for really. Crew mid table, nothing to play for. Doncaster have been horrific since they lost Darren Moore. He went to Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he? They're now mid-table, nothing to play for. MK Don's away last day of the season. Mid-table, nothing to play for, really. Now they're kind of safe. So you've only really got the game in hand away at Wimbledon, where it's a real six-pointer. The others, okay, Blackpool are a solid solid side up there, but that's still one, two, three, four games out of the last six that are winnable, because the teams that are mid-table, they could be on their holiday, well, say on their holidays, they could be, you know... Mentally. Can't really go anywhere at the moment, can you? But um, you know, you'd... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they might consider their season to be pretty much over. So, I think actually you'd rather have that than maybe have sort of teams around you, like the Burton game, for example, and games like that, where playing sides around you, you've actually struggled more. And I don't know where that comes from. Something psychological where you mm. can't beat the teams around you, mm. and they're quite important games. Like Huge. we've said it for a good few seasons, me and my dad have, and. Other Dale fans have said we they're going to be around us at the end of the season. We need to win this now. I knew Bristol Rovers would be near us in Wimbledon. Do you know, roughly mm, speaking? Yeah, the Northamptons and as well. And... A bit surprised with Shrewsbury. I thought they'd be a bit mm, higher up, yeah. possibly. Did they, they had a good season a few years ago, didn't they? Mm, got the playoff final I think. a couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah. Swindon and Wimbledon had both beaten us before Tuesday. Mm. So when people are saying we're going off these two games that we have to win... Even that has proven to become difficult this season because we haven't got any points of any of them, but those are the mm. games that we think are winnable. So what what are people judging that from? You know, I know they're around us, but we can't beat them. You can't really get a variable. You can't get an, a, an average of anything with us this season. You know, like, oh, we'll get points here. I mean, there's not many seasons where you can say that in any division where that's three points. That's very rare, you know, especially in the modern game. Even Adam will tell you about that with... Even with Man United, Adam, you, you could oh, yeah. say, couldn't you, that there's not many where you can say that's yeah. three points? Off the top of my head, I, I no, because even like I know uh, we're going to touch on the Brighton Everton game later, but you'd maybe think on paper, like, yeah, we'll go there and get the three points, but it just it doesn't work that way, does it? No. It never does. No, and especially towards the tail end of the season, your hands are fine. There's all kinds of freak results that happen where sides on the bottom find a run of form or teams will drop from the top end or mid-table and suddenly go on a poor run because they've switched off. So there's no guarantee of three points in any game. But with Rochdale, I think it's a cliche, but it's something that managers pull out this time of the year every single season. But you've got six cup finals now. That's how you've got to see every single game as a cup final and they are every single game in their own way as must win. Have Rochdale been in this sort of situation before in like recent years? Not this far down the table, though. I don't think. We've always been in the bottom four yeah. or five or six mm. in the past five years or whatever you want to call it. Brian Barry Murphy has saved us twice, technically. One was when they sacked Hilly, we got BBM in and he kept us up. And then obviously last season was... Points per uh, game, yeah, wasn't so... Points per game or something, yeah, points per game. I mean, how would you have done it, Jim? I think Tramia at the time... OK, we're going back over all ground. I've had a hot summer fuming over this, but Tramia had a game in hand which if they'd have won, they'd have gone ahead of AFC Wimbledon at the time. 
which then would have put them on a better points per game than Wimbledon, which meant they would have stayed up. But And they had won three away games on a trot, leading up to lockdown. So it's hard to say. You can't even base it necessarily on a on an average of who, you know, could have won each game or what have you. I think what would have been the sensible option, which is a bit silly, but at the same time, is just you can't relegate teams. Promotion, okay, either you can earn promotion over 40, you get over 40 games out of 46, you're nearly there. But I think to relegate teams and for them to suffer during this time of all times financially, and that includes, you know, unfor- the unfortunate demise of Macclesfield Town, who actually technically shouldn't have gone down, but Stevenage stayed up because they have Macclesfield's financial problems and other clubs as well. You know, Bolton and Southend, as much as they were cut adrift, hadn't been mathematically relegated at that point. So how you can relegate a team based off of, ah, well, we think it's going to go this way the next nine, ten games, it's... You know, you're not giving them a fair chance. It's over the course of an entire season. There was clubs lower down than on League Pyramid. Biggest joke being that clubs were, like, getting stopped from being promoted lower down than on League because they were just null and void in the season. How you can null and void up to, and again, this is an issue, it's been up to about the 7th or 6th division. Then have playoffs in the 6th and 5th division, but don't play the rest of the season. And then points per game, the 4th and 3rd divisions, but have some playoffs. So there's teams that are voting to end the season so they can play three extra games. Don't void the se- don't end the season and then say, oh, we'll play three extra games now. And then the Championship and Premier League continues. So it was completely inconsistent from the top downwards and that's what messed me up more than anything. If it was PPG for everything, fine. But the fact that it was so inconsistent. The issue you're going to have is that no matter what system you put in place, someone mm. was going to come out of it worse than... Or you have teams who got lucky who might have stayed up on... A technicality or something else like that. There was no perfect way of doing it. The way they did it was tough. It was hard. I mean, Chambly went down by something like 0.07 of a point. 0.04 a point or something. It was an insane amount. It was so little, in it? Uh, the issue you have up until that point is what? How many games was it? 40 games in by the time they, uh, when no, they did not it? Not even that. I think it was still 9, 10 games to go. Was it 9, 10 games to go? In terms of promotion, if you've got, you know, you might have a lot of teams, especially the top four maybe in certain leagues. Might have had that wrapped up by that point, but yeah, the top, the bottom six, eight even can change dramatically in those last nine, ten games. It did yeah. fit, it felt harsh, but they had to do yeah. something. But yeah, I, I, I agree with the idea that it was daft. They were making, you know, the lower leagues null and void and then making some leagues not, and it was just, yeah, it was a bit of chaos. And it showed how much the money kind of talked when the Premier League was one of the first things that was back as soon as possible. With not a lot less to play for apart from. A bit of relegation in Champions League. It was mainly East Liverpool had the league well wrapped up by that point. Go back in February, they had that pretty much wrapped up. So it was a bit of a strange way of doing things, and it, it did lack consistency from top to bottom. But hopefully, they learn from the mistakes, or we never have to go through anything like that again. Mm, Touch wood. So who knows? We've answered Adam's question, but we've gone off on a tangent again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have been in this situation before. But there's a lad at work who's a Man City fan, and I was talking to him about. Uh, Gavin Bazoon, who's on loan from Man City, and he said, oh, how's he doing at, at Dale? And I said, he's doing okay, but I think the problem is, with a lot of Dale fans, we seem to think that it seems like there's an agreement where if he's fit, he has to play, and he's only 18 or 17, yeah. and he's, in, he's, he's a goalkeeper. Now, really, that's a bit of a danger for Rochdale, and you don't really see a lot of any professional team sticking a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old, 
in like most of the season where he's he doesn't play three games. So there's a bit of an annoyance with Dale fans in terms of we seem to think that City have said it doesn't matter if you run you know if you get relegated we just want him to play and get minutes. You know it should always be a bit of a balance where. Mm. It shouldn't be at the expense of us getting relegated because he's not particularly playing very well. Mm. Yeah, and I don't know yeah. if Adam might, it might. Adam might be able to answer this question on the Man United front. When Man United loan players out, the youngsters, if you will, or the ones that aren't quite making the first team, mm. say say like they were to loan a lad to Bolton. Is is there such a thing at United where there'd be an agreement that he has to play so many games or he has oh. to play so many minutes? Can't say with like a hundred percent certainty that's the case, but I imagine that yeah, when you when we send players out, the the idea is that they do get the game time and that they do progress and get better, so they can come back to United a better player. But at the same time, if the player isn't playing well, then they need to be battling to get into the team, don't they, into the first eleven. So I can't say whether it's absolutely guaranteed. Yes, that United say they have to play a certain amount of minutes because I don't think that should be the case with anyone really if they're not playing well they shouldn't be playing i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think what's happened before with uh, when, when the lads at work they were telling me is that they've loaned plays out to other clubs and they don't get minutes. So I think that they've there's a suggestion that City have said, right, he has to play. X amount of games, or you're not going to get him. But isn't that like a bit of a tricky situation? Yeah, like I don't is. even know if Everton do that. Um, I'm not aware of anything particularly. There may be. I don't know if you know Matt of any sort of clause agreements in de- loan deals. I don't think there is. But I will stick. To, I will talk about loan players a bit. It's a tricky one for clubs like Rochdale and like Tranmere have had it down the years, where when you loan a player out to a club, it's struggling. And you'll find if you ever listen to like Under the Cosh podcast. There's a lot of guys on there that mention this, good plug for them because they are fantastic, is that loan players, young loan players particularly going on loan from Premier League Championship clubs to struggling League 1, League 2 clubs. What's the consequence for them if they lose? For example, if you're a full-time player at a League 2, League 1 club, it's your life, you're on a one, two-year contract. It's your life, yeah. it's your family. You've got to pay the bills, put food on the table, and you've got to do the best for your career. If you're a Premier League youngster on already on 20 grand a week at, say, United or Everton, you get loaned out. You're not going to be there next season. What's it to you no, if a club exactly. gets relegated? Doesn't matter to you. That's, that's, you get to move exactly. to the loan club, or you go back to your Premier League training ground, play them with twenty threes, and sit there on twenty thirty grand a week at an eighteen year old. When your teammates can play National League football or, or lower, you know the following season because you know at the end of the day, there's no emotional investment in those players to want the team. Well, there can be, of course, you know, but there's no consequence for those young lads. Other than you get to go back and and you you sit on the bench again. Is that an, an individual's attitude? I think it's if yeah, you could say. Oh, absolutely. It's an individual attitude. It's, I'm not tarnishing all youngsters with that attitude because absolutely no, not. no, no. There's a lot of young. It can be the case that do care, that do give everything, that want to fight for their place in their loan team, and they want to mix it up with fully grown, you know, fully grown ardent professionals, and it's an eye opener for them going down to League One, League Two, where they're not playing on like you know carpets anymore in front of. 
the cameras and that. They're actually playing like real men's football, and it's you know it's tough yeah. going, and they get stuck in. And it's a great it's a great learning curve for them. But there are some that you get the feel, especially when you get them on like one month or two month loans, where they're, they're basically a revolve. I'm not saying it's the case with Gavin Bazuna at all, but you know you will know it. Lower league clubs will have a revolving door alone players. At one point, I think Tranmere when they went down into 2015 to the National League, they had about 50 players at one point during the season. Not all at the same time, but because players kept coming and going on like one month loans yes. from West Brom. Why do they care if Rovers drop out the football league? They're going to go back. What's the difference? Then they're going to pick up a few games, you know, and then go back again. It's it's barely worth even making the move. It's an interesting point because we had a lad on loan from Man United last season. I don't know if Adam might not know him or he might do. He'd be called Ethan Hamilton. Oh, I've heard, um, yeah, I've, I've heard he's pretty good, but I've not seen him play. I've only heard what other people have said about him. I'm pretty sure it was last season, mm. and he was fantastic, and he was scoring screamers, and he really, I think he relished the, the idea of playing in League One, and he was playing, I mentioned it the other week, about playing Sunderland and playing fairly big teams and getting the minutes against the opposition and tough players, and, you know, these youth team players on loan, they'll see that and they'll go, He's played for Liverpool. He's played for whoever. You know, I want to play well against him or I want to test my... Mm. Ethan Hamilton were great and Ethan Hamilton had the right attitude. I'm not saying mm. Bazunu hasn't. No. You could tell with Ethan, he really... He were going for it. And there were one... I can't remember if it was Southend away or Bristol Rovers away. And he scored an absolute peach of a goal. He's going to get on television, mm. that type of goal. I know, fair enough, United... Reserves and uh, sorry, youth team will be on television, but there's sometimes there's more of an exposure to League One and on your phone and YouTube and things like that. Yeah. And we wanted to sign in pre season, but obviously it wasn't feasible. I don't think United or he wanted to come to Dale, or, and he ended up at um, Peterborough. But you just, I, I always wonder, like, when we get loan players or when other team loan players do, think, what is the agreement? I wonder. I suppose the club wouldn't really except to take him on if they didn't have an interest, really. Mm. I mean, that City goal keep you talking about. Did you say that he did start a few games, or is it just not...? Every game for Rochdale, apart from two or three. I don't know about every game. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> they, I suppose if, like, when we loaned Dean Henderson to Sheffield United, mm. I mean, Dean Dean's a very, very good goalkeeper anyway, so he probably was the better goalkeeper of the two or three that Sheffield United had. But if that's not the case with Rochdale, then... Would you rather a different goalkeeper be playing? The last two or three games have been playing Lynch in there. He's about 25, but he's he's a decent goalkeeper. But problem is, if he has a poor grip, so it's it's trying to compare him to Sanchez, Robert Sanchez. And because we've been a little bit spoilt by having Sanchez, who's in the Spain squad, everyone sort of goes, ah, yeah, but he's not Sanchez. Do you know? So there's a bit of a spoiled yeah, aspect a little to bit it. Harsh. Well, you can't really compare him to Spanish international. Do you know? Well, so, yeah, I mean, when he doesn't play, it's, and he's only played twice all season, you sort of think, well, what you, what are you getting a, there? Oh, he's not very good. It's a bit of a Where contrast, that from? isn't it? Because uh, so I've just checked up on Jay Lynch. Um, Sanchez, obviously, Spanish international now. Jay Lynch, you got from AFC Fylde. That's crazy. He did play for Salford before Fylde, but you got him from Fylde. Bit different to Brighton, Hove, Albion, Spanish international, isn't it? So, but, City youth keeper, for that matter. With the greatest respect to Fylde. It's difficult to compare all those three. You look at Sanchez mm. in the Spain squad, you look at Gavin Bazuna from Man City and this 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 lad from Fylde. You can't, you know, if he's not playing, how can you... You can't judge him that no. much if he's not even playing, mm. you yeah. know? Yeah. And he played on Saturday and me and my dad were saying, I said, well, he played okay apart from the own goal. And my dad said, yeah, but he's not going to expect the captain to put it in the back of the net. Mm. I went, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, back on that loan point, I mean, if you're a parent club, 
So if you're at the City United Everton, you're going to want to expect something out of a loan. Mm. You're not going to just send players out for the sheer hell of it. Mm. So if yeah, it's also for them, they're going to learn a lot about a player that goes out on loan. So if the keeper goes to Salt Effort, sorry to Rochdale either way, doesn't perform, doesn't have the right attitude, then they at least then know that well, maybe he hasn't quite got it for what we want him to and to progress the way. A lot of players also, if they're in the under-23s, have it pretty well to a certain extent because the foot, they're never under mass scrutiny. It's never, you know, I don't, I don't know about either one of us. I'm not sure I follow our under-23s with much, you know, it's not every game. I'll keep an eye out if there's uh, youth foot games or whatever else. So to have that level to come up then, if there's Rochdale fans in particular who are unhappy with it, then it's how they respond to it. So the clubs always are always going to want to get something out of it. I mean, looking at loans this season, the biggest, this isn't a low league one either way, but it ties back in, is Lingard to West Ham, who looks a different mm. player. And it's mm. fascinating to watch him. He's been brilliant since he's gone on loan to them. And United must have sat there thinking, well, what what is it that we weren't doing to get out of him? But also probably thinking, well, if he wants to go to West Ham, we can knock on probably another 20 million to the price tag based on the last three months alone it, it's always goes to show that he's always been a great player it was clearly mm. confidence and I think he was just unfortunate to be in a United team which in his position alone they had Fernandez. they've got you know all these players that were going to play always going to be ahead of him and confidence wise he was just at an absolute low and he's gone to West Ham under Moyes who was just giving him this new life and it shows and if he goes to Madrid and PSG fair enough I've been intrigued to see it yeah but the parent mm. club is always going to want has always got the control put it that way to, if any given point because you know mm. like I say if he wasn't playing at Rochdale they could just say alright we'll have him back then if you ain't going to play him we'll we'll send him somewhere that might do or what we'll do put it that way so it's tough it's found a balance what's your take on that Adam obviously he's a Manchester United player you support that team what's your take on Lingard I'm really happy for him I, I do like Jesse Lingard. I, it's, I think when I have been watching him for West Ham, the goals he scored and things like that, he, he seems to be going more down the middle than down the flank. So and we've got Bruno Fernandes and then we've got Donny van der Beek who isn't even getting a game at mm. all really at the moment. And I, you know, there's been some talk of bringing him back. And I mean, this is just my two cents, but like, I, I think he should stay at West Ham because... Mm. He's, he's just really, he's, he just seems really happy and then if he was to come back to United and only be a bit part player I'd want more for him in, in that respect because yeah. you know we've got some really good memories of him like when he scored uh, the winner in an FA Cup final against Crystal Palace you know he's done a lot of good stuff for Manchester United and for me I, I'd like to see him go to West Ham and be a star there rather than just be a bit part player at Man United I think there's a bit of big fish little pond syndrome this is no offence to mm. West Ham players either way because you know, they've got some really good players you know, but he's <laughs> gone in there as this big name player in inverted commas and has just taken that team up to another level and he, like I say everything looks direct the goal against I think it was Wolves uh, last week was brilliant but it is great to see a player go and do that and find the new uh, you know this lease of confidence out of nowhere and do that and I agree yeah I think I think he I think he will go to West Ham I think West Ham suits him I'm not saying it's his level by any stretch, but I think he's somewhere a bit like they had with it's West Ham in particular, but with a Piet or someone like that, where they've got that mm. player who they can build a team around. They've got him, they've got uh, Declan Rice in midfield as well, who's a really good player. 
so yeah, it's it's a really really weird turnaround, but it just shows that there's always been a player there. I think at United, he just got lost yeah. in the pack, unfortunately. He had a lot of pressure on him because he's grew, he's grew up as a United fan. His family go to see the game, so they're in the stands when he's playing, and and he actually FaceTimed like a group of United fans, and they were like, so the United fans were like cheering outside the stadium, and like the players were cheering inside, obviously, and. That, so he's always been like very connected in that way, and I think maybe, maybe just the pressure of playing for Manchester United, and he 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 had a couple of seasons where he really enjoyed himself, and you could really tell that he's he was a good player. But then I don't know if it's just become too much expectation that he's putting on on himself, and um, yeah, since he's gone to West Ham, he he's just. I I don't think he has that pressure anymore, and he's probably just found a freedom in that, and he's just played really, really well. Yeah, I think the freedom's the most important thing because he's always mm. been a player quality. I mean, you look at him in the 2018 World Cup in particular. Yeah, yeah. I know it was only against Panama. I know Panama were as they are, but he's still gone to a World Cup and performed very, very well. And for England's always performed very well. I think I agree. The pressure was always at United that. Because, yeah, being a boyhood fan, I think also the fact that he had performed coming up as a youngster always adds to that pressure mm. because you want those yeah. players to then step on and, and carry on either way. And then obviously United started to bring in players that were playing in this position to get dragged out wide in particular as well, which might not have helped. But that's, have- you know, he's, he's gone and performed well. And I, I actually, I'm really happy for him because he's a, he's a likable guy. <laughs> that's the most important thing. He's a bit, mm. a little bit cringy as an aspect of it, but that's kind of part of his charm in a weird way with his little JL hand gestures and whatever else but that's just oh, yeah. I kind of like that <laughs> even the fact that he's now taken West Ham to the point where they're probably going to finish above us but whatever you know <laughs> each of their own Adam do you, do you think West Ham could finish in the top four I think they came close nearly like a few years ago but they just missed out and finished outside it but they, I think it went to the last few games of the season I suppose that the, the last few games they've gone 3-0 up haven't they and then they've nearly nearly messed uh, it up yeah, thrown it away. So, I, yeah, I, I want them to do it, and I'm going to stick my neck out and say I think they're going to do it. On that top four race, I mean, I still think until the game on was it Sunday, I think the West Ham Leicester game, I would have had it as the top four that was there currently. So, City, United, uh, Leicester, Chelsea were my top four. But hearing of what's gone on at Leicester this week. You've got to wonder because mm, they had wish. Madison missing and there's players breaking COVID protocols and whatever else. Yes. And they've got a history of me- last year in particular that really did mess up top four. Are they going to do it again in terms of who replaces them? I've got to back Liverpool, unfortunately, as much as I hate to admit it. I think they- I think they've got enough about them to do it. Just, you know, They've started to perform a little bit better in recent weeks. Made hard work of the game on, on Saturday against Villa. Just creep in. Maybe in the last few games. I don't think Everson will do it. I don't think we've got enough. I think injuries are going to play us and the home record in particular. The only hope is we've got to play City on the last day of the season. Maybe if they've got the league wrapped up, they've all been on the piss for the week, we might get a result. But I find that unlikely. But other than that, our running isn't particularly terrible. But yeah, Liverpool is where I'm back at the moment. I think they've just got the qualities just to grind out results at the moment in particular. And they're getting players back as well, losing them which we'll come on to anyway with the Brighton game and the Palace game that we played this week but yeah I'd still back Liverpool to sneak in if Leicester drop out but to only just scrape top four for them would be after the promise the season had I mean they're currently drawing 0-0 with Madrid and 
in the uh, quarterfinal second leg. It's just just nearly half time, I think. It's on my phone next to me. If they do get knocked out of that and only can just only scrape in top four, they'll class that as a pretty rough season because top four for them should be guaranteed, really, in my eyes, with that squad. They've come into some very good form, but I think it's they've left it too late. Um, I, obviously, I, being biased, I hope they don't get in the top four. But, um... Well, you, you, you'll have two, two other fans on here <laughs> that will say the same. It's quite nice, actually. But, uh, no, I... <laughs> you're, you're welcome but, uh... to come anytime. <laughs> At the start of the season, my, my thinking was, as long as Liverpool don't win a league, I'll be happy. So I, I feel like I've already won in that respect anyway. But, um... but Adam, even though City are running away with it. <sighs> But at the same time, I don't think any United fan think we'll be second in the league. No, Matt, the thing though is if you do think if things have gone slightly differently you picked up some better home results, could yeah. you have been in a title race this year? And you still are. You are, <laughs> but... City losing games. Yeah, we could. I, mean, I think um, we, we mentioned before, I think Greg said Adam is it like any team you'd think you'd definitely take three points from. If there was, team, if there was one team this season... I, I did say Sheffield United easy win and look, and we we lost yeah. two and I just thought the the moment that happened it was just like well it's just not going to happen uh, this season anyway I think the aim for this season was just to show some progress and I think we've done that with one of the major things this season has been that we've come back from losing positions like quite a lot for this season to get three points yeah. and it's nice to to get back to that because we have lost that for quite a while we used to, it used to be like that all the time under Sir Alex Ferguson mm. but then it kind of went away for a bit and now it seems to be like becoming like a regular thing that we're going to keep fighting to the final whistle I mean I, I can't really say that we're going to push on to, to win the league next year because I, I don't think we will um, I think City is still too strong with the because they've got two first 11s if one of our 11 gets injured we're in trouble, really. So it's a difficult one. Depends on the summer. I think United. They've got if I think I was, was it Paul Scholes. I think I watched the Granada Granada game last week, and after the game they were talking about would they invest in it. And you got to wonder the the biggest name obviously being pushed out there for seemingly everyone in Europe who's got money is Erling Haaland. Mm. Whether they go for him or look at Jane Sancho or they need a striker because Gavani by the sounds of it isn't staying either way. Unfortunately, because I've actually got a bit apart from his goals against Everton, I've actually quite enjoyed having him in the league. It was a great header on Sunday for the uh, second goal. It was yeah, a really well worked goal in general. But I think if you'd ask any United fan at the start of the season that come April, you're second in the second in the league in a European, or albeit the Europa League, but still in a European quarter final. Unfortunately, kind of messed up the cup run, the FA Cup. I think they were, just did perform at Leicester either way. I think most of them would have taken your hand off of that, really, after the past couple of seasons. And I think they, they should go through on tomorrow night. I don't think Granada are going to show much in terms of coming, especially with the two away goals. And if they can get themselves the Europa League, I think they're the favourites to win it. And I will back them. I can't see anyone who really beats them um, over two legs in particular. So I, you can't sit there and say it's been a bad season, cause I, and I don't think anyone has done. And I agree, it's been a season of progression. And I think he's always done enough to justify being there yeah I mean <laughs> at the start of the season it was pretty horrendous because um, we lost 6-1 to Tottenham yeah and I'm sure there was 
we only just beat Brighton because we got that penalty like after the full time whistle went which was one of my favourite <laughs> things ever um, <laughs> and I think we had another there was a result after that where we lost I can't remember who it was against so so yeah at, at the start of the season a lot of people thought Ollie was going to be fired he mm. um, was getting close to it it seemed, it seemed yeah. like it but yeah. it showed the importance of Pogba in particular has been really good since he's come back. Yeah, there's there's a there's a group there that you can build a team yeah, through with a bit more investment. It's a bit looking a bit more like a United team. It's the first time I think I've seen one since since Ferguson left the United team. You kind of go, oh, I can see what they're trying to do. There's pace on the wings. They just need that goal scorer. Yeah. And it ties um, in as well can... with what you said on about that resilience as well that they don't wilt after going a goal down they will come back and they'll get late goals last minute winners it used to be the typical like you say thing of never write off Man United and I think we are slowly but surely getting back to an era where you know you don't write off this United team certain players and Fernandez has been the one who's oh, been yeah. who's changed the culture of the entire dressing room since he's yeah. come yeah. in massively so he's such a winner he really is you are slowly but surely and I wouldn't rule you out for the title next season but then I wouldn't rule out Chelsea, the way they're building the two colour, wouldn't rule out Liverpool coming back, you know. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Just wondering though, Adam, with obviously Europe being the Europa League now, would you take finishing second and winning the Europa League as a successful season? I would say it's been, it's a good season. I wouldn't say it's like an out-of-this-world sort of season, but it, I do want to win the Europa League. I, I don't like the competition because there's so many games and it... Well, this year it's not been too bad, but when uh, we was in the Europa League and we had Mourinho as the manager, it just really affected like the results that we had in the Premier League playing on the Thursday and the Sunday. So, yeah, if if we win it, but at, at the same time, if we didn't win it, I I would still say it's been a good season because I think if we win the Europa League, I, I read an article by like James Cooper on Sky, and I thought that this is probably the better way to. To kind of measure it, he said, "If we were, if Oli wins the Europa League, it's not a measure of progress. It's just like it's an intention going forward, and I think that's the best way to see it. Um, because, don't yeah, we've been to a few semi-finals. It'd be nice to get over the final hurdle and just win something. But at the same time, I wouldn't write the season off just because we've not won the Europa League. Mm-hmm. And I think second is." I f- yeah, I think that's a good, a good season. I'm just looking at some of United's fixtures that United have left. Mm. Uh, they've got a few games where, like we were on about Burnley in the last episode, turning up against the big teams. I mean, is is Burnley a banana skin? And obviously Leeds did a number on Man City at the weekend. Mm. Is that also? A, is, there's a few teams there that you would. You know, are they difficult? I'm not too worried about Leeds. You must because... be glad, Adam, sorry to interrupt you there. You must be glad, though, that the game being played behind closed doors because going to Leeds, mm. if the foul, if it's a full house mm. and there's a first game back in 16 years against United at home, that would be a different game altogether. 
Oh, it was. It's an absolute cauldron, wouldn't it? It'd be a cauldron. Mm. It was. I mean, in one way, I'm actually kind of sad that we're, we're not going to get to see that. I think we'd be able to handle it. And I think we'll I think we'll beat Leeds. Maybe that's famous last words. But, we, you know, earlier in the season, we had a really good result against them. It's probably my favourite result of the season so far. Uh, Burnley, Burnley can be tricky, though. We've found it hard over the years sometimes to beat them. It's usually by the odd goal. So possibly... They might be tricky. I think we've been unbeaten away from home now for 23 or 24 league games, which is pretty insane. Mm. So I think we'll be okay. But even then, if, if the result didn't go our way, I, I don't think we're going to drop out the top four now. It would have to be no, a, you, a no. disastrous finish I think seconds for that to happen. Pre, uh, not say it's wrapped yeah. up, but I think you're pretty well sorted. I mean, the, the Leeds game, sorry, the, the way Leeds, the style of Leeds play even, is kind of ideal for United because you could happily mm. sit back as you did in the home game and hit him on the counter. It was, yeah. was it 6-1, 6-2 six, six, yeah, exactly. mm. at the end? And everyone was recording leads for the yeah. style of football and you sat there going, but United stick, stuck six past him. Just, anyway. mm. <laughs> what? But yeah, I think that especially Ellen Road would be, because they're going to come at you and United have got the pace in, 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 the, in the attack to definitely hit them on the counter and it will sit mm. right back into how you want to play. But yeah, I'd agree. I think I think the season itself has been United productive, most importantly, and there's a lot of positives come out of it. A few, a few negative results, you know, home results. But I think if you ask anyone across this season, you know, Liverpool have lost what was it six at home since the start of January at home. You know, yeah. it's, everyone's home form has kind of gone the window in particular. Mm. Um, and it's a shame that those little freak results have cost you a, probably a serious title bid, but it shows that. There's not a lot to fix to get yourself into that title run for next season in particular. Uh, so I think they will do. I think if they invest properly, invest it right in the summer, you know, financial depending, they can really have a go at that title next season. Absolutely. There's, there's a team that we haven't touched on. We haven't touched a lot on Everton. Do we have to, Greg? Yeah, do we have to. <laughs> all happened in the last week. I think Everton, I mean, obviously I'm not, I don't see a lot of the games and things like that, but I know that they had like the historic like win against Liverpool, so I thought it would have been a good season. Like, <laughs> really, I think maybe it, just for that alone. It, it feels like it. I think the issue has been. I mean, Monday night was. It's not often I get bored watching football, as in seriously. Hmm. I, a lot of times it'll be on. If it's a game I'm not investing, I'll be on my phone or whatever else. But if it's an Everton game, I like to think there's always something in it. Unless you're like three 0 down with half an hour to go, you're never gonna, you know, not getting out of it either way. Yeah. There was just nothing. It was the most boring, bland night, and that's not even just on us. That was a bit on Brighton as well because I think they were happy with the point as much as we were. It was just, oh, turgid. It was just I was sat there going, yeah. I mean, they're waiting for a Brighton goal, just somehow off someone's arse and it goes in, or I'm waiting for nothing to happen and it was just oh it was so bad we had the Palace game the week before which I think is kind of a it shows our season in a nutshell to a certain extent where some of the attacking football was brilliant they just couldn't quite finish and then Cavalo and Richardson had about four chances between the two of them and then we let in a late goal I think it was it was a batch why I think equalised I think either way and it was kind of that nutshell of just it's been a lot of positives I take out of this but it's still a team that needs work. I think I read a stat this week that it's Ancelotti's worst start, I think, 
after 50 games under a club and everyone was saying but yeah he's also gone into teams you know look at the Madrid team he inherited mm. and it's not, it's not, it's not this credit card at all he's brilliant but he's gone into a team where he's only really signed three players well three or four roughly either way and he's been left with some oh god some absolute dog turd of some footballers in that team and the injuries this week didn't help and we missed Calvert-Lewin in particular but yeah I, th- I think as a season you know, there's some positives in that you know we're not completely out of, out of the European race yet if we can blag ourselves top six I'd be delighted um, mm. but if anything yeah. he's probably overachieved with the squad he's got Ancelotti either way and he's you know like I said the Anfield win was one I won't forget for a long time mainly because it was just stressful for 90 minutes but <laughs> at the end of it it was like a euphoria of it all mm. going to it there's been you know, some, been some really good results the you know the three all draw at Old Trafford um, the last minute one was a good result for us you know with just that the idea of a draw that feels like a win when you get the last minute ones um, mm. and there's there's little glimpses of it you can see these little things where you go okay there's that there's little bits okay maybe you know replace that player with someone a bit better and you can see you know and transfer wise he's been really good Ben Godfrey's been a revelation he's a future Everton captain in my book yes and well yes and no in that yes we can push on but I take um, was it Gary Neville made a point during the week of he's basically done trying to egg Everton on wish Everton to do well because they just constantly let the fans down and I feel like forever even since the Moyes days we've had a a well known thing you look at the table and go oh if we can just beat so and so we're in or if we can just get a run together if we can just beat so and so oh if we just beat them and season after season it's off we can just get they're doing really bad if we can just beat Burnley we can just beat Crystal Palace we can just beat Brighton which if you're going to be serious about being at the top end of the table with the greatest respect to those clubs this season those are the kind of games you need to win home and away you know I'm not talking about we expect to beat these teams but if you're serious about top four you're serious about challenging for honours which Fard Mashiri the owner he's got Carlo Ancelotti in one of the most renowned managers in the world he, we've got like so Hamas Rodriguez playing for us we've we've invested in some cracking players we've got such a young exciting talent Richarlison Calvert-Lewin you you don't do all that to finish 7th or 8th hmm. you don't no, in, you don't invest okay 45 million pound in Guilfi Sigerson that's a shocking investment but you don't invest <laughs> that kind of money on players to finish 7th or 8th you just don't Unfortunately, and yet the thing is, because there's so much competition at the top end of the table and so much money, that it's all what would have been, you know, what Man City had to spend 10, 12 years ago to finish in the top four is like the bare minimum to finish in the top 10 these days because of the way yeah. finances have gone in football. It gets to about Feb, March, and you go, What have we got to play for? Yeah, throughout After the, the FA Cup, the City FA Cup game, it's like uh, you, you knew what was going to happen. I watched it and I'm thinking, these are way ahead of us. These are so far ahead of us. It's hard to believe we're only, what, seven or eight places behind in the league because these look like they're on a different planet, this Man City team. And and yeah, okay, by and large, they are, but then, obviously, then Bielsa and Leeds go and do what Bielsa and Leeds do and beat a top side and how on earth they've done that with two shots and two goals. Great for fans yeah, of I think XG. The, the, but the important thing about that game is... I think everyone after that was like, was saying it was a, a Leeds masterclass. City were poor. So, I mean, 
not take nothing away from Leeds. They, you know, to, mm. you got to go and take your chances. I, I, you know, but going down to ten men probably helped them a little bit because they had to sit back. The second goal mm. is a complete on the break. Uh, they had oh, yeah. another chance before that either way. Oh, yeah. But City, oh, yeah. if they'd have just been a little bit sharper, well, probably would have outscored them. Well, probably would have been yeah. three or four. I two. mean, City, to, to their credit, I think City are thinking about FA Cup semi-finals. They've got Dortmund tonight. They've got the League Cup final coming up. They know the league's wrapped up with the greatest of respect to United chasing them, if that's what we can even call it. Unfortunately, sorry, Adam. But, you know... It, yeah, the Leeds game wasn't a mess of priorities, but I think with Matt, you saying about building something to build on going forward, we've had a team that we can build on for about 10, 15 years. Mm. Like, literally, we thought, oh, if we just add a few additions to this team, under Moyes, we thought, oh, if we just get a couple of decent players in, we can get top four. I remember there being an article ahead of a 2010-11 season, we just got Jermaine Backford in. Oh, could he be the one to fire us top four? No. He could barely fire us the Blue Dragon down the road. But, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's like, what? Oh, they've got the makings of a potential top four team. They're all fit and on form. Everton are never or fully fit and never on form. Like, it, take your pick. Are all the players are fully fit and they're absolutely out of form? Or half the team's injured and we somehow scrabble a few results together? It, it's, it never falls in place. And in the end of the day, you make your own luck in football. And you, you've got to have that squad depth. And we simply haven't. And you can say, oh, we can build, we can build, we can build. We've been building for what feels like 15, 20 years. And we seem to have the same season on repeat. Apart from the occasional drop into the bottom half, which, why on earth we're finishing 11th, 12th, is absolutely beyond me last season with the squad we've got. But, you, you know, your table doesn't lie, does it? I, I can agree. The difference we've got is, one, there's no need for us to sell anyone. This time, I think you look under the Moyes team in particular. Can we, not, when they had... can we not sell some of them? Well, <laughs> okay. Can we not? I'd not? like us to, but Please. what I'm saying is, there's no need for us to sell anyone. Um, I so is. I think what I'm, okay. What I'm saying is, if someone comes in for a Calvert Lewin or a Charleston or Lucas D, I don't know those kind mm. of examples, we've got the back mm. in there to keep them, and I think there's enough there yeah. at the club to keep them. So when, for example, when we sold Lukaku to Man United, for example it made sense that he was going to go because it was just the obvious move. I think because of the manager we've got in place and the board in particular, mm. there's more to keep the players at the club that we want to keep. I agree, they've got to get rid of some absolute crap. And they will do. I think there's going to be hopefully more leaving this summer. Um, there's a lot of players out of contract. Uh, I think Janet Blass is out of contract this summer. There's a yeah. few other players as well who are going to go check toes and I but think is out of contract That's another well. thing that matters. How many, I know this is the same with every football club, I'm sure, but how many years have we gone just get rid of the Deadwood? Um, oh, I agree. But that's something about every... You know, constantly have Deadwood. <laughs> it's like, how? But every, every team, you know, United have uh, got... Every club's got them. Deadwood every as well. It's, it's, it happens but... either way. I think that just comes from a poor recruitment when we had the money. It was like oh. we were given all this money and went, oh my God, let's buy everyone. Let's buy the number 10s let's in the world. All the attacking midfielders. What United are starting to get correct, in particular to bring it back to them, is the recruitment is now looking better, looking stronger. They're buying the players that just you would expect them to buy. They're not wasting, you know, money on Di Maria's, for example, and those players that came in. As good as Di Maria was, just never fitted in with that United team. You know, he, he, no. I didn't watch the PSG buying game, but apparently he was brilliant last night for PSG. He's a cracking um, player. There's a few players over the past since Ferguson's left that haven't quite fit the role. 
of a, the Manchester United player of old. Mm. You could say what was the Falcao was one, Di Maria was one. I could probably name We've a got few Schweinsteiger, more. Uh, Schweinsteiger. Yeah, but I thought I thought you were okay. But um, what's behind that, Adam? In terms of is it you know square peg round hole? Is it? <laughs> It was like we had like a mini Galacticos era or something, where we were just trying to sign. We were just names, money not at the... players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were just yeah. like throwing money. At... I don't know. It was a weird time. I remember when we signed uh, Falcao, and I, I was at work. And I just remember like looking at like, you know, I, it just came out of the blue, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then, unfortunately, he just wasn't the player that he, he used to be. And Di Maria, like he, he actually had some really good games for us. Like he played brilliant against Leicester. I think he set up uh, Mata for one of his goals. I think it was like the bicycle scissor kick against Liverpool. He's the one that did the assist for that. Yeah, there's some personal stuff, stuff that happened, like with being burgled and it. it with Di Maria in particular, I feel like he just never wanted to be there in the first place. I think he always wanted the PSG move, but mm. United probably just offered more money. So yeah, that's why he came to us. And then, yeah, I think it was like the season after he got his move to PSG. It felt like he, he didn't try to like to try and turn it around. Fit the if lifestyle. Like, well, even just when he was playing, like because yeah, obviously what happened. As it happens to everyone, doesn't it? Like if so, if you go into work and then you've got personal problems, you're not going to perform your best. But it just didn't seem. It was it was a very strange one. I can't. I don't want to say it just didn't want to seem like you wanted to play because I, I don't know what his mental situation was. But you could tell that he wasn't going to be there for long, much longer. So yeah, it's, it it is a shame, but it's it's good now that because we've got Solskjaer and a couple of new. We've got a new structure at United now with a, a managing director and a football director, and hopefully things will keep getting better going forward because we've signed. I think he's not he's not been like a shining star or anything, but I think Dan James for 15 million has been a pretty decent signing to be mm. honest. Mm. And obviously the standout signing has been Bruno Fernandez, and I'm very glad that we didn't sign Sancho for over 100 million because it just seems like already if we did that he'd be in a losing situation because unless he was getting like 9 out of 10 every week everyone's going to be saying well we've paid 100 million for this guy so be the Pogba uh, situation yeah same and, matter as that yeah and, and Maguire it's a- well even with, with Harry Maguire like he's played every single minute of uh, United's league games since his think he has, league, yeah, yeah, which is ridiculous. And Luke Shaw has been arguably one of your best players, oh, he's been if not if not the best player. Yeah. Um. So yeah. that ba- and Henderson, I think, will stay and go. I think De Gea is, if he doesn't leave this summer, it'll be next. But it looks like to me he's going to be off this summer. I imagine um, he will be. Yeah. It's just that uh, De Gea is on very very good wages at the moment. So well, yeah. I think mm. if he was to leave, it would be like a. I don't know if Real Madrid could afford it at the minute, to be honest. I think if PSG, anyone could, PSG, PSG is probably the only club that could probably afford it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he would well, go. We'll have him. No. I, I, I didn't say <laughs> Mal. Comes good or something, yeah. we'll have him. <laughs> yeah. 
I like, I like, I like that. Everton will have him. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I like that. Actually, apply, I like will have him. We wouldn't yeah. even sell you a Romero. Never mind a hair. You I wouldn't, know. you bastards. You wouldn't. <laughs> I now would have had Romero as well. Sure that. It was transfer window in August. Through, that one. Apparently, yeah. United blocked it, and he's—I think I'm right in saying—he fell out with United because he thought that he was going to be first to But I can see why United yeah. wouldn't want to give him to us, wow. being a rival in the commas. Yeah. Well, I think before Henderson came back, he was happy to be number two. Something you just mentioned, Jimmy. You said uh, seven games, and there's seven games left for Everton. Uh, you've got Tottenham, you keep, Arsenal, you keep trying to get us to talk about Everton. West Ham. You keep trying it. Stop it, Greg. We're not Stop talking it, about Everton. Greg. We're not. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. no, where do you think um, we'll finish? Yeah. If we go where do you think yeah. we'll finish, I'm going to say we'll finish seventh. Eighth. Interesting. Interesting. I think we'll. Eighth. I think Spurs are an interesting watch at the moment because you never quite know what you're going to get week on week. Um, they're a strange team, Tottenham. Oh, very strange. I was really team. interested. I was very interested in what Roy Keane were talking about with that they've been soft for forty years. He's right. Mm-hmm. Give him his I can you can't disagree. He's actually spot on. A lot of what I mean, yeah. Roy Keane, I know, says a lot of stuff just for kind of the reaction. Fact, but actually, for a lot of what he says, he's got justifiable reasons saying it. Spurs are. I just can't quite gather. I mean. Them getting rid of Mourinho still, sorry, uh, Pochettino even, still seems an odd move. I know yeah. when a manager like Mourinho comes up, you've got to take that chance. But he just seems like he's just gone in there and just pissed off all the players, which is the best way I can put it. And just players are kind of going, all right, then. Yeah, and if they lose, Harry Kane. Yeah. Well, it's what I mean. Is that Mourinho you're in about? Yeah, it seems like he's gone in there and just yeah. wound them all up and said, so, what, you're going, you're shit, you're, you're, you're even more shit. <laughs> Harry Kane, yeah. you're good, Son, you're good, but the rest of you are all shit. And you're like, well, that's just not going to play ball, is it? Just, just, what like... we did, just what we did at United, though, isn't it? Yeah, same sort of idea, except we quicker. Off Luke Shaw, and look at Luke Shaw now. There's, a, there's an old-school mentality to that, because that's something that Cluffy probably would have done. There is, but you got the feeling with Cluffy would have gone there and would have been honest with them, but he wouldn't have been there and just said, You're all shit. He'd have been like, To be fair, the one time we know Clough did do it was at Leeds United, and look how that went. That's what I'm referring yeah, to. Oh, 44 days later. To Clough's credit, obviously, you know, we're going way back here. Squads weren't as big and there weren't as many movements. The transfers players stayed at clubs yeah. for a long time. So he recruited, slow but surely, the players he knew to build he a team. Trust. Then he knew he could trust, and he'd go into dressing with players that he knew and trusted. Whereas now it's so fly by night players now they move like you know some of them twice a season. So the ability to remove players to reserves or just not play them because squads are so big as easy to do now than it would have been in Clough's in Clough's era. But yeah, it's absolutely. It's, um, go back to Spurs. It's as George O'Keefe once said, "It's the history of the Tottenham. They just bottle it, don't they? It's Spursy." I mean, coming from Everton fans. I know, we, I know we can't I know, talk, but, but we can. But Dynamo's like, their manager was in prison. <laughs> their manager was literally in prison. <laughs> he was. Only their manager was literally oh, in brilliant. prison. Spurs, yeah, Amazon, it's, it's TV so show. Popular, it's like, it's just, it's right, right, what we're going to do is we're going to write that their manager's in jail and you, you, you still haven't won. <laughs> I, feel like it's, I feel like it's a social experiment, how far you can test people's patience and sanity before they <laughs> oh, just give up. Tell me about them. that. Rather yeah. like Everton, rather like Newcastle, rather like Sunderland than a lot of Rochdale. <laughs> Football, I think, actually is the greatest social experiment going as to how far you can test someone's lifelong devotion and patience mm. before they just give up on everything. 
But the, 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 the example of this is when we played them at Sportland, you're talking like the England captain, Harry Kane, Lloris, World Cup winner. But it was a full-strength Tottenham team, pretty much, apart from maybe three at two or three. And on paper, they should have walloped us 6-1 in the first leg. And that's, that's the, that is what Tottenham are. I mean, I think it was, uh, was it Newport or Cambridge after Rochdale? They drew with them as well. Mm. They couldn't put Newport away. Newport, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't put Rochdale away. I mean... And Rochdale were in the relegation zone then. We went to a Tramier oh, Tottenham yes. FA Cup yes. third round. It was one of my favourite stories of it. It was a proper Friday night cup tie. You're thinking, oh, Tramier, you know, they might just do something here. And the best thing what it was, so the kickoff happened, the ball goes back to Deli Alley, and there's a shout from the crowd, which is like, doesn't want it, get into him, doesn't want it. And he never got out of first gear, Ali. He passed it round like there was no one there. It was the f- he put Harry Kane on at five nil up. It was the funniest hey, hey, hey. ninety minutes. Six nil up. I remember that. Sorry, six nil. Six nil. Okay, okay. That's better. Okay. Just wanted to see Harry Kane. Come on. I've not yeah. laughed at a football match more oh, than those ninety minutes. It was. it was. I think. I think Sergio Ray bashed one in from twenty-five yards out, and you're like, oh, "That's it, isn't it, Ferdy?" Yeah, Lorente came <laughs> on, scored four. Is that one like, over? Really. When we got battered by Tottenham at Wembley, it was like that was the first ever game with VAR involved, I think. Oh, right. Because they were still trying to get their head around uh... everything in terms of. And Hilly afterwards was saying, Oh, I enjoyed it, even though I didn't know what was going on with the VAR. Mm. And Pochettino were coming up with things like, Well, we're still, it's all teething problems. But that was a bizarre game. It was like penalty, not penalty. One of the lads that we talk about in this episode, uh, Jason Ellery, Liverpool fan, he watched it on his tablet whilst they were cooking in the kitchen. And he said, all of a sudden, it was 2 0 Tottenham. So he turned it off, turned it back on, and it was 1 0. <laughs> and he went, he just texted me saying, what the fuck is going on? That happens now. This, that's three, this is three years, years later. Yeah, yeah, it's still going on now. Three years later. Talking on Tottenham. I know we've basically gone from, oh, they bottle everything to, oh, they've battered lower league clubs to, can I just point out, Everton play Tottenham Friday night at Goodison. I have no doubt Spurs will turn up at Goodison and wipe the floor with us now I've said all this. Saying that would be 5-4 in the cup, so anything like that again, I don't think my heart can take it. Me and my dad must quote Mike Bassett at least once every month, every two weeks. (laughs) Every time we watch a football game, he'll he'll quote Mike Bassett. We did it last night and he did it the other week. Rufus Smalls couldn't like, hit the side of a Renault Spass. I think my favourite part yeah. is when they they got like the um, I suppose it's like the science centre it where they downloaded uh. the player profiles and like is it Pele Maradona and then is it Mark uh, Lawrence? Ma- Mark, Mark Lawrence. Yeah, that's my favourite part. Such a good oh, as a kid, it. I didn't really understand it, but then like several years later, when yeah. like I I've obviously know a bit more about football, I thought it was like the best joke on there. The scene where the Norwich City bus goes the wrong way after winning the Mr. Clutch <laughs> Cup, right? <sighs> Norwich City's actual parade bus when they won the championship in 2019 broke down. <laughs> that's almost like the that's Simpsons, Simpsons predicting pre- pre- yeah. yeah. Schwarzenegger that's, and that's very it's similar. Donald Trump. That's Mike very similar. Listeners and followers, what do you think is ha- that has happened in a Mike Bassett film is actually going to happen in real life? If you could send us a tweet, send us a message... We'll, we'll read them through in the next episode. That'll be a good one. It'd be great if it was yeah. the English and Irish and Scots having a fight in the hotel. Yes. That'd be great. Yes. Can that happen? No, it can't happen at the Euros, can it? Because Ireland didn't make it. But English, Scottish and Welsh having a fight at the airport. That would be amazing. All That'd breaking be- COVID, COVID yes. rules. For a massive <laughs> scrap. That's it. 
And then England scored with a hand of God goal in Qatar 2022 against Argentina. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> who can it be? Who will we have it? Jack Grealish. Then he gets, it's so hot in there, he decides to take all his clothes off and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about Tom right. Kinson. This past weekend, it was it was WrestleMania, which was a two-night event for the second year in a run, I think. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had two nights, and this this weekend, we had two nights. Adam has been very fortunate to go to two WrestleMania live events, haven't you, Adam? Yeah, it was definitely something off the bucket list. So the first one I went to was WrestleMania 28, where it's The Rock versus John Cena. Uh, that was a brilliant WrestleMania. Although I was a bit disappointed, because um, I'm a big Daniel Bryan fan. Mm. And he was facing someone called Seamus. So then, I think they they're basically both in the ring. And I turned to my friend to say, "Oh, this is going to be such a good match." But then, in me doing that, Daniel Bryan actually got kicked in the face. And when I turned around, I just saw the referee count three. You're losing that about thirteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see. Yeah, I didn't even see get kicked in the face. I just said, "This is going to be such a good match." I heard the crowd like cheer, and I turned around. I just saw like free, and I was like, "I can't believe that's just happened." Oh, no. um, <laughs> wow. to be fair, though, that event that did ignite the backlash from fans, oh, which yeah, eventually pushed Daniel Bryan for WrestleMania yeah. 30, two years on. They had the Hell in the Cell between Triple H and The Undertaker with Shawn Michaels Ooh, as the referee. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was a cracker. That's an incredible match, isn't it? I had a, an inkling they were going to do the uh, the super kick pedigree sort of moment, but I didn't know whether he was going to kick out of it or not. I was, so that was going to be the end. Yeah. yeah. So I actually he, would have been kind of a, a way to do it. When he did mm. kick out, I was very happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want to the streak being broken. My, one of my friends actually went to WrestleMania 30 where that happened and it said it was just surreal when, yeah. when it, that actually happened. What was the second Mania you went to, Adam? WrestleMania 31. Oh, that was the one man. where Seth Rollins cashed in. God, San Jose. I didn't think it would be as good as it actually was because when you buy a WrestleMania ticket, you don't know what the card is going to be when you actually get the ticket. I thought it'd be okay, but then it was actually brilliant. And seeing Sting versus Triple H, yeah, the, 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 the NWO thing, and surreal. Yeah, the one thing that I did sort of like find funny about the whole event was, I think everyone, at least everyone in the stadium, thought Sting was going to win. Just because why? Why would he lose? Because he uh, should have done basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. 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 And then um... Triple H gets his shovel out. Very old again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when like Triple H won, like people just sort of like looked at each other, like, yeah. really? Randy Orton doing that RKO on Seth Rollins. Mm. Oh yeah, from, from real that. Yes, yeah. that was brilliant. Just for context for this one, me and Jimmy went to the Manchester Beer Keller. We're watching the ladder match, and then is it the new day? Say, yes. who might it be? Mm. And it just goes, dum, 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 dum. Yeah, but everybody everyone. in the bear keller went nuts. <laughs> they started jumping on the chairs, flying everywhere. It was absolutely <laughs> insane. Oh, but there were security guards in the bear keller. They must have just switched off because it's half three in the morning. <laughs> And then it just went, like, what's going on? Because, like, 200 people just started kicking off randomly. I mean, the two manias, Adam, which one stands out out of the two? Probably the first one, to be honest. WrestleMania Mm. 28. For a long time, I was like, I I definitely someday want to go to WrestleMania. So then when I was there with one of my friends, I think it just meant a lot more. I mean, don't get me wrong, WrestleMania 31 was... uh, 
was probably the better pay-per-view overall, to be honest. But I think because WrestleMania 28 was... The Rock and John Cena, at the time, yeah. it was once in a lifetime mm, until they did yeah. like, the same match the next year. But also like the CM Punk versus Chris Jericho match as well. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I'd say WrestleMania 28 is definitely the one. Yeah. I, mean, I think as well, because in the stadium it started off as like daylight and then it sort of turned into night so you could see all the mm. fireworks whereas in San Jose it wow. kind of like stayed daytime yeah. pretty much throughout the whole thing so yeah I'd say WrestleMania 28 and it, it, it sounds like such a long slog to be there how many how many hours are they at an average? I, I think when I so when I went it wasn't as long as what it is now I, I think I was there for about maybe three at the most four hours Whereas I think now, oh, right. now you oh, it's like it's about, about three s- weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now it's more than six hours, nearly seven hours. WrestleMania thirty-eight starts next week. I think I hope what they take for the last two manias is to split it into two nights because it it oh, does work. Split it into two also gives you a chance to have a nice ending both nights if that's how you want it. So this year, for example, you had mm. Bianca Belair winning on the first night, which was brilliant. And the second night, you had that sort of. It wasn't the happy ending as such with Reigns winning, but it was the obvious ending. It was like yeah. the sort of uh, this yes. is what we're going with. Here it is, yeah. which I, I agree with. I think he was right. He won. That He's been. The way they mm. it, it was such a dick move, but it was the perfect mm. dick move to pin both of them at the exact same time, oh, yeah. especially having winning by a concerto with both of them. It wasn't done in a sort of oh Reigns spear yeah. lol. Which was good. I also love the fact that he pin- he pinned both of them. Meaning, can we not have a rematch clause then? Because he literally pinned both of them, hmm. so that the one yeah, so exactly. it's usually found a threat. Oh, you didn't pin me. You pinned the opponent. Oh, well, I demand the rematch. Then I say to you, oh, do some proper fucking WWE. Push somebody different. Push Big E or something, or you know, to fake take on Reigns next or something. That Cesaro seems to be the one. Match, doesn't it? I enjoyed Seamus Riddle. Mm. I thought that were absolutely solid. Mm. The Fiend against Autumn was a strange seven minutes. Yeah, was, they can't book the Fiend right. They just get it apart from the Firefly Funhouse uh, match against Cena last year. They can't seem to book the Fiend. It's too, Whatever you want to call it's it. It's too nuanced almost. They're trying to make it like spooky clown. It's like it's it's far more nuanced than that. And it's oh, it just it frustrates me. Yeah, Autumn have him, yeah. don't have him lose to a ninety-five-year-old yeah. Goldberg. Mm. would be it's an idea as always if you've got any questions for the podcast just try and chip them over to us on Twitter and we'll try and fit them in for the next episode we're on Twitter I think it's I'm pretty sure it's Men in Blue with one L something because I've misspelled it Men in Blue CA1 I think it is we have 61 followers at the moment which I'd just like to just a quick shout out to a few people I know are listening I think my cousin Wayne's been listening are we doing a minute of silence for Prince Philip I mean, I can add a minute silence. (laughs) (laughs) Add a minute silence. Sports Social Podcast Network.